Hey, everyone. We want to welcome you to the Citizens Advisory Podcast presented by the Citizens Advisory of Pennsylvania. I'm Jess Stalnecker, Executive Director. I'm joined by a very special guest today, um, Pastor Matt Tarr. Matt has kind of been with us from the very beginning of Citizens Advisory. He was a co-founder. And so um, we are so thrilled to have him on the podcast today. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about Matt. He's uh, the pastor teacher of High Point Baptist Church on the top of Larksville Mountain. Um, he holds a Master's of Divinity and Doctor of Ministry degree, and he wrote his thesis on the mischievous art of Corinthian. Wow, this is tough. <laughs> Sophistry. Sophistry and rhetoric and the restoration of transcendental, transcendental authority to restore unity and community. What does that mean? <laughs> Well, it, you know, it's interesting. It's so that subject was specifically as it relates to unity in the church, restoring unity in the church. And as I was writing that that project, it was right in the middle of of COVID. So I, I began to realize after um, President or Vice President Mike Pence was asked why there's so much disunity in our country. That there was direct applicability to what we're what I was writing about in my thesis as it relates to the church with what we're seeing in our world today, and even what we're talking about in um, our education system as it relates to transgenderism and what is the source of truth. Right. So, what Paul argues in First Corinthians is that the reason why that church was just about to break apart, come apart at the seams, is because they adopted uh, a, a very media-driven. Uh, elusive kind of truth proposition. So um, it was no longer, truth was no longer a matter of reality. It was a matter of projection, what was being projected as truth. So there was no common conviction anymore. Well, America, you you are inherently in a system where um, we have no common culture. We're the melting pot. We have no um, common nationality. We have no common uh, foods, common traditions. We don't have any of those things. What we historically have had is a common conviction that the United States Constitution is our authority. So that transcends whatever the consensus thinks or what our community thinks. We always go back to the United States Constitution. Well, as soon as you introduce ideas of progressivism, and now the Constitution is a living document, you, you've now stripped the uniting document in our country so uh, the same thing is true as it relates to the church. The same thing is true as it relates to Christians. When we go back to to uh, interpreting life and how we resolve problems in the world, we want to know uh, what is the transcendent truth? Well, that's in Scripture. So let it speak for itself. We're constitutionalists. We have to be when it comes to the Bible. So that means we're, we, we look at authorial intent. Mm-hmm. What did the author mean when he wrote it? That's what it takes to be a constitutionalist, too. We, we're we not interested in how we can reinterpret that document as a so-called living document today. We want to know what the authors meant when they wrote uh, the United States Constitution. Um, anyway, so that's in a nutshell. And so timely, um, right? That was the perfect timing to write something like that and to do that kind of work. Yes, that's right. And so when, when you look at what happened in modern education and especially the um, the massive push in our schools 
to accommodate a, a trans the transgender agenda and, and transgender worldview and, and systems and so forth. Um, you have uh, now this system where um, people are imposing a worldview and an ideology in reaction to the removal of truth and reality from society in general. Um, it's a response to postmodernism. It now truth resides within us. So there's no objective reality that determines who you are. So um, you know, even going forward in the in the, in the podcast here, I feel like I need to say right at the outset. Um, I mean, you you introduced me as Pastor Matt Tarr, so my thinking is exclusively biblical. The Bible always informs my conscience. So I understand that's inherently controversial. And, um, uh, but nevertheless, uh, we have to have some kind of objective truth that we adhere to. I think the Bible has the answers for what's going on here, why we've defected from reality, um, as far as what the Bible decides who we are being created in the image of God, male and female. And it also has um, more serious implications for what we're experiencing in our education system and what that ultimately means for our condition as a country. I think it's interesting that, um, you know, you go back 30 years ago and the a sociology professor from Harvard recognize that the issues of sexual revolution that we're seeing in the 1960s, 1970s, were birth pangs of a dying society. Mm. And when you look at the history of the world, you see that consistent common denominator. Even the Times Magazine admitted that going back in 1969 as well. But whether you're talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, right? We used to refer to these issues as sodomy. That's kind of the archaic word. But um, in, in Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, you see the instance in the book of Genesis of, of Levi living in a society that had completely given itself over to the issues of homosexuality and transgenderism. They became normative and they invited, therefore, God's judgment. But you also saw the same thing in the Egyptian empire. And then you saw the same thing in the Medo-Persian empire. And then you saw the same thing in the Greek empire and the Roman empire. Transgenderism was rampant. In fact, historians um, note that 14, 15 emperors in the Roman Empire were homosexual, and it was common practice for them to um, perform crude sexual surgeries on boys to preserve their youthfulness. Mm. So, and then they would dress them up in makeup and use them. I don't mean to be crude, um, but I mean, this is the exact same thing we're seeing in the drag queen culture today, too. Right. right. Um, so they, they would dress them up, have them as wives. Yeah. Um, and it's not new. This is something that's. Been no, it's not new. And the consequences aren't going to be new either. Uh, when you destroy the family unit, you've you've destroyed the foundational building blocks of every society. Absolutely. So we're really at a critical point, I think. Um, and we were just talking about last night's election results. And, uh, um, you know, that uh, 
the results confirm that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, well, I'm going to continue. That That is an excellent segue into our topic today. And just the fact that, um, you know, we are going to talk about how this um, idea of trans- transgenderism has kind of become this social contagion in our society, how it's, um, you know, really affecting um, young students, how it affects our schools, our public school system, and and really like, you know, what we can do about it and where we're at. But um, you actually started a school um, called High Point Classical Academy. It's open um, for grades K to six and um, or will be in the fall of 2024. Right now, you guys are what, K to three? Came first, yeah. Okay, yeah. Came so first. Mm-hmm. You're expanding the grades. It's amazing. Um and I'm sure that that's in response to everything that's going on. And so um, I just want to continue with your bio here that you um, are obviously an active member of the community. Like I said before, he was one of the first founders of what we called Parents for Freedom is now Citizens Advisory of Pennsylvania. Um, and uh, he's a volunteer police chaplain. He's a member of the Churchill Society of Pennsylvania um, and in his spare time, Matt has been, it doesn't sound like you have a lot of spare time. Matt's been working on one of several books presently titled The State of Education. So who better than to talk about education than Pastor Matt Tarr? Um, and beyond that, Matt and his wife, Melody, have four boys. They love being involved in their kids' lives. We've talked a little ice hockey with our boys. And so, um, yeah, so, and, and you kind of laid it out from the very beginning. There's no secrets here. Like, this is definitely a conservative Christian view. We are so thrilled to have you on here because I think we do need um, that objective truth. We need to know historically um, where this is coming from and where it's going. I think that that's really important. So thank you for all of that, Matt. Yeah, thank you, Jess. Uh, we really appreciate what you're doing. And just like you guys and everybody else on Citizens Advisory, sometimes you're so busy, you don't know whether you're coming or going. But um, that's just normative for life, I guess. We've been uh, we've actually been created to work. So, <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll keep working as long as the Lord gives me breath here. But um, yeah, we started High Point Classical Academy, um, and I knew that I couldn't invest myself into that work and continue to participate as much, um, though, of course, we still follow you guys and we're engaged as much as we can be with Citizens Advisory. But um, I kind of realized that, you know, we, we sort of, um, well, I, I suppose to back up the truck, you mentioned that, uh, you know, I, there's this prevailing question, how did we get here? And um, really, over the course of the last century in particular, John Dewey had the greatest influence on American education than any other individual. He He's really the precursor. His ideas were sort of boiled down into what we refer to as social emotional learning today. So um, education no longer emphasized the, the classic subjects, but uh, the emotional well-being of students. Well, who defines what is emotional well-being? Uh, what we're talking about in those contexts are subjects related to the soul or, or the spirit of a person. And it's important to note John Dewey's worldview system. Uh, he was atheistic um, and he found inspiration for America's public education system through pre-war Nazi Germany and Russia. He realized that um, they were effectively able to use their public education system to turn students from being students into activists. 
And he saw, he saw the opportunity, the same opportunity in America's education system. By the 1960s, um, Abington versus Shemp uh, made the Bible unconstitutional in the United States education system. So now all of a sudden you created a vacuum for transcendental truth, to use that same word that was in my, uh, I suppose, uh, my thesis description. Transcendental truth means something that exists outside of man that is his authority and that he is accountable to. The lone dissenting judge in that case in Abington recognized that all we've done in America now is replaced the state religion from a Judeo-Christian one to a secularized one. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that society now defines what is truth. And because of that, truth is um, elusive. It's fluid. It's whatever the consensus wants. Um, unfortunately, oftentimes what the consensus wants isn't actually what's real or what's true. So, I mean, you take and, and let's define consensus anyway. What does that actually mean? Are we talking about global consensus? Are we talking about state consensus? Are we talking about national consensus? Um, at what point does the consensus that defines reality and what's true actually break down? So, um, for Nazi Germany, we know what truth looked like there. The German people largely um, appreciated the efforts to exterminate Jews uh, from Europe. Um, so was that what was right and just just because it was the consensus at the time? Well, of course not. And the reason is because there's a transcendent truth. So... Um, anyway, the lone dissenting judge recognized the problem. We now created this vacuum of truth, but that also opened a new opportunity for a progressive agenda in our education system that we hadn't experienced before. And I think parents are awakening to that reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a recent survey that was done that said that 70% of Americans want the Bible actually back in the classroom, which is which is somewhat surprising. Right. Yeah. So, And that's why I started High Point classical academy with our team here at, at, at our church um, and we have a we have a great team working extraordinarily hard to make this happen because um, I became concerned about this rhetoric and this theme I kept hearing about where we need to we need to get um, worldview out of the classroom that's the parents domain mm-hmm. um, just teach math just teach English just teach history Um Get get worldview out of the classroom. Well, the reality is that's a defeatist mentality. Um, and Proverbs says that uh, foolishness is actually bound up in the heart of a child. So we don't want we don't want our our students to just sort of exist without being instructed in some kind of moral principle. Right. Um, we we just recognize at this point there's no recovering in the public education system a worldview that is consistent with ours. Right. We need to stop the progressive system. Mm-hmm. And we know that we're never going to get to this point where we're actually instructing in transcendent biblical truth and reality and conservative convictions. So um, uh, Abraham Lincoln said that, um, oh, where is it? I have a quote here. Yeah, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation is the philosophy of government in the next. So, we understand what's at what's at stake here. Um, 
anyway, so so as a part of recovering truth and reality, um, I recognize the need to proactively instruct our children in uh, the right way, because how can you possibly divorce worldview from education? We're not even able to divorce worldview from our government and civic society. How do we think we're going to do it in an environment where we're actually supposed to be teaching children's minds? That's really not a possibility. Yeah, it's so... So, um, it's so true. Um, when you put it that way, it, it really is. Um, and I'm one of those parents who still have my kids in public school. <laughs> and every day I get closer and closer to, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm always praying about and looking for alternatives. Um, and, but I'm, I'm so thankful that you, you started a school like that, because I think that there is definitely a need for it. Um, just kind of, going back to our topic of this whole idea of of transgenderism and we we talked a little bit about the ancient history of it and um the sexual revolution and how that kind of opened the door um but in the last i, I for me i've seen in the last 5 years it's in like hyperdrive right where we're seeing more and more um young teenage kids um identifying as the opposite sex or something different. I mean, anything they feel like, obviously, at that time. Um, I started to do a little bit of research on the idea of this. It, I There was a study in t- 2018 called Rapid Onset Gender Dysphoria by Dr. Lisa Littman um, from Brown University. And she talks about how, um, you know, it's largely this like social contagion, which now, of course, can be um, considered hate speech at this point, um, because you know, we're at that, we're at that phase in our country, but it really did show that girls are very susceptible to it, that it seems as though they're, um, their friend, like 60% who come out as a different gender had a friend do the same. So it seems very like that kind of thing. I'm just wondering if you've kind of paid attention to that aspect of it. And, um, for parents that like, there's a lot of influence out there. It's not out of school, in school, social media, all those things. Like, what are your, what are you seeing? And what, even as a pastor and like, how do we kind of get a handle on this? Yeah. So I I remember going back to 2016. So um, that was when SCOTUS ruled on the constitutional of, you know, homosexual marriage. I, I preached a sermon on that subject to kind of help my congregation be thinking biblically about that subject um, rather than letting the media, um, Corinthian sophistry, inform how they are interpreting um, now this important issue that is is being brought to the forefront in our society. And I warned at that time that very quickly that community, the LGBTQ community, was not going to find satisfaction in certifying um, the their homosexual relationships and and so forth, and uh, very quickly it's going to become a civil rights issue. They said no, no, that we, we just want to have our marriages, love is love, and accept. That's exactly what we're seeing now. And in fact, um, I think it was in uh, 2021. Yeah, the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus. Um, you might have seen this. Uh, others um, in your network might have have seen this. Um, 
sang a song. They said, you say we all lead lives you don't respect, but you're just frightened. You think that will corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked. Funny, just this once, you are correct. And then I went on to saying, we'll convert your children. Happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you'll barely notice it. Now, they said that that was satire. It was just a, a joke. Well, it's not so funny because that's exactly what we're seeing in our schools. And in fact, just this past month in um, New York City, um, LGBTQ activists at the 2023 Drag Queen Parade, um, last year they, sh they chanted at that, par that parade, groom, 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 groom our children. And uh, uh, um, this year they sang the same chant that the um, Gay Men's Choir of San Francisco saying just a few short years ago, um, we're coming for your children. Right. Well, are they? Um, the president, um, the president of one of the largest teachers unions in the United States, if you go on her Twitter file, more than 200 tweets there. She describes herself as an activist, Randy Weingarten. Um, she's the president of the American Federation of Teachers. So you, you want to know what she's an activist for? Well, she says she wants to flip states blue. She wants gun control. She wants gender support and safe spaces. She wants debt forgiveness. She wants diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, all these things that Citizens Advisory has been informing parents about and why these are destructive and harmful policies, not only to our kids' education, but to society and to our families. And what's more is that she's married to a woman named Sharon, who, interestingly enough, is the senior rabbi of CBST, which is New York City's self-described queer synagogue. You go back to the AIDS um, uh, epidemic um, when it first exploded in the United States. Guess where it began? Um, it began with that synagogue in large part. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, if I'm not mistaken, don't quote me on this, but um, they had, I think, more than 100 people die from that congregation um, due to AIDS. So she's an activist. Where is she going to promote her political activism as the president of the American Federation of Teachers? Right. So um, this is exactly what we're seeing controlling the Pennsylvania Department of Ed um, being now uh, disproportionately imposed because of the cost of education on our local schools. So yours and my education, you know, if we go back 15 to 30 years, um, was about 800% cheaper than yeah. today's education for, for a student. Yeah. It's not sustainable. And the Department of Education knows that. Um I forget exactly what those numbers are, but it's, I think, um, yeah, so it was nationally, education was about $50 billion when we were going through school. Okay. Today, um, it's about $800 billion industry. So to sustain that, um, we're increasingly dependent on state grants and state funds. And to receive those state grants and those state funds, we have to conform with more progressive ideologies and worldview systems um, to promote this new political activism. Right. And we know that um, these are the, you know, these are the instructions that our teachers are getting. I have friends that still teach that, you know, um, talk about the fact that 
they are uh, instructed to keep, um, if, if a um, student wants to use a different pro pronoun or a different name, they really are instructed to not tell the parents. Um, and, and this is, I know a lot of people who don't realize this, um, but this is the norm across the state and across the, the country um, where that's the directive given to, to teachers. Um, and a lot of times, you know, there are regulations that allow the students to keep alternative identities um, a secret from their parents. So it seems like it's a very um, clear way of even separating the child, the student from the family. Um, and we know that that's, you know, that's definitely happening. Yeah, actually, you used an interesting word there in terms of identity. Um, Carl Truman, uh, he's, a, if I'm not mistaken, he's a professor at Princeton. Um, he's somebody that I greatly respect. He's he's very acute thinker. He wrote a book recently called Strange New World, and he said that sex used to be something that you do. Now it's what people are. It's how they define themselves. Mm. Um, and uh, and really, that that is also the result, going back to this idea of postmodernism. Well, who defines what is reality? Well, it's not any longer something that is transcendent outside of us, but um, really it's um, whatever we think we are and how we feel. Um, sometimes, in fact, we don't even realize as conservatives how much postmodernism affects our thinking. You know, how do we decide what's true and what's not true? Oftentimes we might say something like, um, you know, the heart, your heart won't steer you wrong. Just listen to your heart. Mm -hmm. Well, virtue doesn't exist in a vacuum. And if foolishness is bound up in the heart of a trial, Jeremiah, um, talks about the heart being deceitful and wicked. Is that really what we should be looking at the way we feel um, to define? And, and what are the kinds of societal pressures that maybe encourage us to feel a certain way? Right. And I realize that there are, um, um, there, there are some individuals that say, well, you know what? I, I never, but I never asked for this. I didn't want to be transgender. Um, I, I fought this for a, a long time and, and so on and so forth. So what is the cause? And there are many different theories uh, with respect to causation. I will say that none of them have been proven. Mm. There have been a lot of medical studies that project uh, proven causation, but these are soft sciences. And we've all experienced how much the soft science, sciences can manipulate data and scientific evidence um, in 2020, 2021 to support a predetermined outcome. Right. And all those uh, articles have, have since been redacted, um, but you can't hear about them because those um, journal articles and the authors of those journal articles would be ostracized from the medical community. In fact, um, and in some instances, people have lost their licenses, even people who are pro-LGBTQ and have been dubbed heroes of the LGBTQ community when they redacted the articles because they realized that there were flaws in their research, um, then uh, it was intolerable because it's inconsistent with what is, uh, well, a, a predetermined um, ethic, right. a new ethic uh, today. So, um, anyway, so, so today your identity, if, if, if I feel, if I'm a boy, 
um, biologically, but I feel like a girl. Now I am a girl. Right. And if I'm a girl and I feel like being a boy, that, well, then I am a boy. And you are seeing a massive um, surge in these individuals identifying as such or as furries. Um, what's biological exactly about that? Right. And um, you know that unfortunately, too, like schools are um, revising policies to allow for gender identity and expression to be um, the determining factor in, you know, what facility they use, um, you know, bathrooms, locker rooms, what sports teams they play on. And so um, there, there's a whole host of things that come, you know, that are, are practical things that we're going to have to deal with at some point or another as parents, our, our kids are going to have to deal with it at some point or another in the, in the school system. Um, but there are practical dangers to all of this, to th this identifying and allowing this identification to be a, a truth of some sort. Yeah. And today's students need to know and understand that the projection of normalcy in all of this is far from normal. In fact, um, it's consistent with what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter one says is judgment on a nation. When these things become the norm or the projection of what is normative in a society, this is due to God's judgment because we have exchanged the glory of, of an incorruptible God with the glory of man, whatever he thinks about reality and about who he is, rather than giving glory to God because he was created in God's image. Yes. And it does. It makes so much sense. Um, I, I think, you know, what we're seeing today, and you really did a good job kind of laying out the the foundation, the history and the the separation of where we kind of went astray um, as a nation in terms of our um our moral and objective truth. Um, but as parents, Matt, can you give us some encouragement here? Because this seems, this is a hard topic. This is really, really a tough topic. So um, what encouragement do you have for parents? I mean, even parents like me who are struggling to know like, okay, what's God's timing here? Like when, like, I want to know, I pray every day to know when I need to pull my kids, like what, you know, right now, the saving grace here for, and I'm just going to share this little personal bit is like, I know my daughter's teachers because I taught with them and I'm very good friends with them. <laughs> and so I know where they stand um, on a lot of things. And that gives me some uh, encouragement just to, to keep her where she is right now. But I, you know, I don't know what that's going to look like next year. I don't know what it's going to look like two years from now. So any encouragement that you can give for parents, I would, I would love. Yeah, uh, actually, um, there there are a few, I suppose. Um, first of all, um, we we should realize that the that God has granted three spheres of authority. He has given civic authority to the government um, to restrain evil. Um, he's given authority to the family, and he's given authority to the church. So those are the three domains or spheres of authority. This was the inherent problem we recognize with um, the uh, the mask mandates and um, the uh, vaccine mandates and all those kinds of things being imposed on our children contrary to the parental authority. We've seen the systematic um, abolition of parent rights 
in our schools. And so, first of all, recognize that parents having the right over their children, that is a God-given authority. And it's a God-given stewardship. Your school doesn't have the right to take that away. Um, I spent a lot of time um, informing, I didn't mind informing our school board that their, their authority is derived it comes from God and they are now imposing on an authority that has given to me as a parent of my children. Um, so uh, first of all, realize that, but then also realize that God has given society, the church as well as a beacon and bastion as a guardian of truth as well. There was a young man recently that I met um randomly bumped into him looking for a new refrigerator for, <laughs> for our home and he's like, if you had one advice, what would be, what would it be? And find a good church. Um, because again, this idea of virtue existing in a vacuum, virtue, virtue doesn't come out of nowhere. We need to put ourselves in an environment where we are being proactively taught um, what's true, what's right, what's truly virtuous, or the society will inform our conscience. Winston Churchill said that, a society without a conscience is a society without a soul, and a society without a soul will fail. Now, he's talking about Nazi Germany, but but it's true nevertheless. We'll self-implode. If a government can't even recognize what's moral and immoral, what's right and what's wrong, how can it administer justice? Mm-hmm. So... Um, the question then becomes, well, if a nation without a soul will fail, but a nation without a conscience is a nation without a soul, we should be asking what informs the conscience mm-hmm. and especially what informs the conscience in a postmodern world where truth is relative and whatever the consensus wants it to be. Um, so from there, realize that every parent... Um, I support, I'm a strong supporter of whatever philosophy of education a parent has as they determine and recognize the stewardship that God has given them for their children in school. um, They need to discern the heart uh, of their child. Where is their child struggling? And don't be committed to any singular philosophy of education. If you see your student struggling in one environment, don't commit that child to that environment. Put them in an environment where they are protected, where they're going to be nurtured, where their convictions are going to be reinforced and built up and constructed. If they're doing well, then continue. Um, teach them how to be uh, light in the world. Um, we don't want to be people. And this is true of parents, too. And for a long time, I think this is this has been true of us just generally. Um uh, Jesus condemned those who want to hide their light under a bushel. We were kind of content to just stay quiet and let things be status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we can't be afraid to speak truth um, in darkness. Right. So, um, and then also for parents that have a child or maybe know a child who's struggling with transgenderism, there is hope. Um. The, um, there, uh, I know a, a number of individuals who've been redeemed out of that environment, but importantly, um, uh, these things were normative 
all throughout biblical literature, uh, and whether it's transgenderism um, or homosexuality or drunkenness or um, even hate, whatever the issues were, they are always redeemable uh, through the righteousness of Jesus Christ that is given by faith alone. So, um, and when that happens, I, I talked about the importance of the heart. Uh, we're promised that he gives us a new heart. Now, that, that doesn't mean that um, the process of recovery is going to be an easy one, because I, I can be the first one to tell you that I still sin. And uh, even though that I've been given a new heart, I still continue to battle sin. Um, and the Apostle Paul talked about that in Romans chapter 7. But our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in Christ and him alone. Um, and we look forward to the day when he will make all things new. The government can't save you. Right. As a matter of loving our neighbor, we want to affect and influence society. Um, Paul said in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 that we are to pray for our leaders and our governing authorities so that we might live quiet and peaceable lives and yet realize at the same time in the same book, he warned Timothy that things will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Four men will become lovers of themselves. They'll be disrespectful to parents. <laughs> in fact, his list in 2 Timothy chapter 3 very much describes our society today. Um, so don't be discouraged by the things that you see in the world. Um, be encouraged because uh, Christ will return. You just need to make sure that you're right with him and on his side. Yes. So that's what I would say. That's amazing. I thank you so much for all of that. Um, I think that this was an excellent conversation and I just really appreciate you being here. Um, Matt, can you tell everyone where they can find you and like learn about your church and High Point Classical? Um, do you have websites? Like what, how can people find you? Yeah. So our church website is highpointbaptist.com. Our school website is highpointclassicalacademy.com. Um, we have our fall open house tomorrow, but by the time this goes live, it'll have been yesterday. So, but we'll have another one in January. Um, and, uh, um, we also have, uh, you know, our Facebook page, um, for high point classical Academy, as well as the church high point Baptist church. You can follow those um, on there too. Uh, you can subscribe to our email contact list on the school website too. Um, and uh, that's probably the best place to be following us. Um, we're the first Hillsdale K-12 in the state. Um, and that alone is a very rigorous process um, to be approved for. Uh, and um, we're encouraged because uh people understand the conservative worldview that that is being taught from. And yet at the same time, we're teaching that from an exclusively Christian worldview too, reinforcing the convictions that are in our family's homes. So um, uh, yeah. So highpointclassicalacademy.com. It's a long website, but hopefully a memorable one. My dog is barking. Riley. My dog is always barking. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry that, that, that's always distracting. Um, so that is perfect. I'm so glad, um, that you have been here. And for those of you who want to find us, we are citizensadvisorypa.com. That's our website. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, Citizens Advisory PA. And if you liked this, if this was an encouragement to you, please, please share, please subscribe to our channel. 
Um, and remember that we're available where, where all major podcast platforms, um, wherever you listen to your podcast. So Spotify, Apple, Amazon, you name it. Um, and we are just so thankful um, to you, Matt, for being here with us today. So thanks again. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I appreciate the work that you guys are doing.